Welcome to Hemispheres. I'm your host, Nikki Kaiser. For the next hour, we hear about grassroots projects in agriculture, forest rights, human rights, indigenous rights, and the women who are making it happen. All the interviews you hear are with indigenous women who are activists in their own community, working towards sustainability on many levels. They attended a conference in August in Bali, Indonesia, supported in part by Global Green Grants, who was generous enough to record these interviews and give them to KGNU. Ursula Rakova is relocating from her island home in Papua New Guinea because the island is being swallowed up by rising seas. She's leading her community's move to the uh, mainland. Ursula is executive director of Tulili Peisha. We hear from her directly what's going on in her community. I, I was born on Catrich. I, I grew up on, on the Catrich and I only left because I needed to go for further education. But I, I did my lower primary school on the island. The memories I have of the island are pretty enjoyable memories because the islands are so far away from mainland Bougainville. It, in other words, they are isolated that the culture has been so intact and we more or less know everyone on the island peaceful. We are very loving people. Although the crisis was there, we, we, I still remember the islands as, as being very peaceful and I will always be a Catrich Islander, regardless of where I move and where I settle. Because my features will always tell me, tell other people that I'm, I'm an Islander. Some people, when they come to me, they are so aggressive. And like when I display my island approach, it cools them off. And even if they are so angry, they, they cool off after, like we we discussed. So, this these are the characteristics of us being islanders, us being keeping to our identity as an island people. And the islands, they were so good. We grew up, we had so much to eat. But in, in those times, I guess, there was less people. Now the islands are going, getting smaller, the population is increasing. A lot of our coral reefs are gone because of coral bleaching. Sometimes we have very long periods of low tides, that the, I think the sun hits the coral and it dies. And so the corals are just dying out. The fish supply is also not so abundant as before. The shells, the marine life is also depleting really fast. We can now find a lot of our marine resources in the deeper parts of the water. When the king tides or the salt water intrudes onto the island, it can even find fish in the on land, trying to hide behind, trying to hide underneath the coconut trunk, so it's frightening. It gives you a feeling of anxiety, like, okay, so what's going to happen next? And it's now occurring regularly. Previously, we would have, like, king tides after five to ten years. Now it's just, like, it's every year. And even right now, it's strong winds. The boats are not traveling regularly to the island. The islanders are not coming into town regularly because because of the strong winds. And uh, the islands are also getting getting small. And we, we can't really say we are moving this way so we will be safe. It's, there's really hardly any higher level, higher grounds where you can move to. When we started Fundraising in 2005, basically to get this program going, uh, we did it ourselves. The islanders on mainland Bougainville just trying to help the islanders on uh, on the island. But what has happened is that with my connection with my previous employment, especially in, in PNG and, and then with Oxfam New Zealand, we did manage to get small grants from New Zealand High Commission and then the Green Green Grants Fund through the organizations I worked with in Port Mosby in PNG. Those grants basically helped us really uh, develop our strategy as to how we wanted to move forward. 
And this is when we developed our policy, not our policy, but our process. And we wanted eventually our process to develop into a policy. And in terms of funding, it has been a, a very, very hard struggle. And because we were a local group initiated by the Council of Elders, the chiefs and elders from Catrets, without them really knowing what else was to be included in this movement of people. To them it was picking up some people from there and putting them on mainland Bougainville. But it was actually a total whole program. We had to look at education of the younger people. We needed to look at health facilities. We needed to look at economic opportunities for the islanders. We needed to look at trauma counseling for families that we are moving, and as well as the host community, because there are social problems on mainland Bougainville that are not really being faced by us on the island because we are so isolated that we don't really get this. We, we don't grow marijuana. It cannot grow on the island. But it does grow on mainland Bougainville, so those are issues. How could we integrate some, some of our good teachings from the island with those of the host community. So those are things we needed to look at. And we are still looking at those. It, it's not so they live happily ever after. It, it's a continuous struggle. But funding was a, was a really, really big thing. And, and when we started, they said, oh, but are you registered with the Investment Promotion Authority of PNGN? And so we had to do that. Have you been audited? Are your books audited? And I'm saying, We've never had like a hundred thousand kina to be audited. Can you give us your cash flow? And I'm going, but we are a non government organization and we've never got money from this. So, all these challenges. And then we did a, we did a major fundraising, a corporate dinner, where we got 22,000 cash. 22,000 kina would be like 12 or 10,000 dollars fundraising um, and then pledges it brought up the amount to 86,000 and but the pledges never came through uh, we only got the cash of 21,000 kina we have a tendency not to get money for like eight months but we are still doing our work because it's within the community and even if money is not there we are still like planting cocoa, doing some other things. Mm. You were talking about how isolated your island was. I should have asked you, how far is it from Bougainville? I mean, how do you actually get from your island to Bougainville? Banana boats. You know what banana boats? Those are dinghies, 23, 21, 23 footer dinghies. Mm. And it's three hours on a good day. On a choppy day, it's four to five hours. And when your guidance of a GPS goes um, crazy a little bit, you end up somewhere else. So it's um, 86, 86 kilometers of Bogen, uh, of Boca. Bougainville and it's 45 nautical miles. <clears throat> we are basically kind of integrating or assimilating ourselves into the host community. Uh, so politically we vote for the area. In terms of institutionalized being health and education, there are facilities there. We are helping to kind of improve and upgrade those facilities. Like for example, my organization actually talked to the Catholic Diocese of Sydney, Australia, and so the schools, the Catholic schools in Melbourne, Victoria raised some funds and we are helping to uh, build a four-in-one classroom. So that's the kind of support we want to give back to the host community. The host community is supportive. They also, they do come in and buy food, garden food from the uh, families and the main thing they often say is that 
it is not a Catholic church who invited us to to move into their area. It is the whole community of the Tinputs area. So there's some these are there are relations that we are beginning to foster that are effective and conducive to this relationship. And the other thing is that I think because we we have conducted these uh, chief and elderly exchanges from the host community to the island, they, they now have a better view of what's happening. Because previously we, we had so many international media about cartridge and everyone was thinking we were getting lots of money. But it's not the case. I, I think being a woman and also being recognized as someone who has worked with community organizations for a long time has helped because um, the reason why the, the elders chose me to basically manage this program is because they said you you have a lot of experience and exposure um, internationally and people know you because maybe when you ask for money they will look at you as someone who has managed funds for a long time and you can basically run this so can you talk a little bit more about the equator <coughs> prize as well right you've got your your project has won a prize for 2014 and what do you you know what do you hope to achieve from that do you think do you, do you hope that will raise profile you know is there going to be some funds that comes that you want to help with projects or yeah we, we are really fortunate to to have had this award to have received this award we feel this award will actually give us more exposure as, as to the the issue we are dealing with and raising awareness also with the PNT government because the PNT government needs to know that we are a local community struggling to make a life for these island people uh, and it shouldn't just talk about climate change it needs to walk its talk and the PNT government talks to other developing nations to other developed nations and why isn't it raising in advance for climate induced communities we are talking here about communities we are not talking about the government because i know we have 30 million kina with office of climate change in port mosby under the climate investment fund and they, they say it's earmarked for islands and atolls. But it will not go towards building houses, constructing houses for the islanders who are displaced. And I'm saying, okay, so why is this fund coming? I mean, why is it being called Climate Investment Fund when it's not going to help build shelter for people who need shelter most? It will be used for adaptation uh, projects, mangroves, building seawalls. And on cartridge, yes, we can plant mangroves, but they will last for, I don't know how long. Yes, we can build seawalls, but where will we get the stones and everything else to build around. And if we build around the islands, the salt water is going to come through the middle and basically destroy the whole place. Because it will still want to find a way to come inside. It's not lowering its level. It's actually increasing its level. The ice is melting. It will have to find a way to place itself. I, <clears throat> I know that there are some people who say, oh, but the islands also, there are also other factors affecting the island, like the shifting of the plates, because we are within the Pacific Rim of fires, of volcanoes and all that. But to me, it's just one factor. And anyway, the islands are getting smaller. People need to live. They need food to live. And right now, food is, is a big, big, big problem. We no longer can eat the food we used to eat 40 years ago. We are now relying on supplies by the government, and this is rice. We want the world to know that we also want to make a living. 
We want to move to this new location so we growing our own cash crops to sustain our own family income. And by sustaining our own family income means we need to grow our cash crops, which we are doing. But we need support to make sure that we are exporting our cash crops internationally and that we have enough startup capital to make sure this works for us. And we also know that in the States, Rainforest Alliance, which is uh, one of the big institutions on fair trade registration, is based in the States. Basically, we want to export our cocoa to the States, where it is the biggest consumer of chocolate. And so we want markets, we want to have markets in the States so that we are exporting our dried cocoa beans to U.S. markets. This will sustain, sustain our program with us, without us having to beg for relocation funds all the time. Because we've had enough of chasing donors and funders. We want to do it ourselves. You were talking about uh, difficulties with donors, not just donors, but governments as well, you know. And, and I think that's a, an experience shared by lots of other women. And now we're going to have, in 2015, we're going to have a new climate deal, right? Because to replace the Kyoto. And we're also going to have a new disaster risk reduction deal, a new Hyogo. But there's been concerns that women's voices are not heard in the negotiating tables at the COP. What do you think can be done to change that, to get people, local community leaders like you doing projects on the ground, to be involved in an international level, to, to share your concerns and get your thoughts be counted. What do you think can be done? Uh, right now, my community is, um, is networking with the community in, in, in Alaska, the New Talk community in Alaska. And we also networking with another island group in Papua New Guinea, the Manus Islanders. And I think these networks need to be strengthened. These networks, especially with island communities, need to be strengthened so that they have a voice in the small island nations and states. And that it is women who are bringing forth this, this representation. Because um, men will talk, but they will want something on, on, a, on another level. Women will talk because they will talk from their heart. And men use their brains to think, and we've seen what has happened. Climate change has, has come in really, really fast because of men using their heads to think. Ursula is the executive director of Tulili Paisa, a local community organization in Papua New Guinea. And I understand that she's a pioneer in the environmental movement in Papua New Guinea and coordinated a landmark legal case of the Warangoi uh, when the, it was the first time in the country's logging history that a traditional landowner succeeded in um, suing illegal loggers and gaining compensation for a stolen resource. She's instrumental in setting up several environmental NGOs in the region, She's well-respected for her integrity, commitment, and conviction to building a strong, transparent, accountable, and ecologically conscious civil society movement.
We continue our show on hemispheres by going from Papua New Guinea all the way around the world to Honduras. Berta Caceres is a land is a grassroots leader working to protect watersheds and women's human rights in indigenous regions of Honduras. She expresses the risks that she's willing to take as an activist defending her lands. Can you talk about what it's like to work as an activist in the situation and where you're being threatened within the context of what's kind of going on in Honduras with violence? And... Bueno, es muy duro porque todo ese contexto implica amenazas a la vida. It's very hard because uh, this work involves lots of threats to my life, to my physical integrity to my emotional integrity and the ones of uh, the other defenders and to the organization where I work for. Y hay momentos más difíciles que es cuando ya esos grupos de poder y de represión llegan a un espacio más interior que es el de sus hijos, hijas, el de su el de la familia de uno y ese ese es el más digo yo uno de los más duros. One of the hardest parts, or the even harder moments, is when these uh, political repressive systems infiltrate your family structures and your personal structures, and that's where things get really complicated. Y el otro es que eh, como está expuesta a la persecución política, judicial y amenazas a la vida, uno se ve en, en un conflicto en algunos momentos. And one of the hardest parts is when the political um, repression gets to a point where you have to um, when you have to leave the place where you are and uh, it's a necessary choice and you understand that it's a necessary choice because your life is at risk but it's a completely hard one to make. Y ese contexto se debe también a la lucha y a las posiciones políticas que tenemos como mujeres, como organización ante el and this uh, the, this fight is uh, and what gets uh, us to this context is the organizing against uh, the political and, um, and structures, mining and privatization of uh, common and natural resources, and that's the context. And the framework of the energetic model that exists is completely uh, the predaceous or prede mm -hmm. predatory. 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 Mm -hmm. Bueno, en un país como Honduras, que vivimos como un enclave del coloniaje... En un país que ha sido colonizado, como Honduras... El otro instrumento que se usa mucho es el, el de toda una estructura de militarización, de represión, de violación the, de derechos humanos. El sistema que se usa o en hand es un sistema militar represivo, inheritado de esta estructura contra todo ese proyecto de muerte nosotros y nosotros luchamos desde nuestra resistencia y también impulsando nuestros planes de vida. Against this homicidal system or predatory system, we fight with our lives um, against it. How do you talk with your children about the fight? Bueno, yo creo que yo tengo una ventaja en relación a otras mujeres que están in regards with other women who are in the fight. I come from women, my grandmother, my mother. Muy luchadora, very, very revolutionary, luchadora, feisty. My children were raised with that, and I have three girls, one boy, and they have been raised in Copin against the military coup, and uh, so it is. Um, Creo que no, no les hablé mucho. I didn't talk to them. I, they saw. They lit it. So have they continued? Have they picked up the fight as their own? Sí, 
Sí, yeah. los cuatro, los cuatro están en, eh, Para ellos es muy importante la causa indígena, la causa ecológica. For them it's very important the environmental cause, the gender equity against the macho patriarchal culture, the indigenous against fundamentalisms. I had to take them out of the country because of insecurity reasons. Porque yo recibía amenazas directas, o sea, de hacerle daño a ellos. The threats against me involved harming them. Do you know of other people whose children have been harmed because uh, of their activism? Sí, sí, muchas, muchas, sobre todo las mujeres. Yes, many, uh, especially women activists and uh, mainly after the coup. So what can we do as international funders to support you in a more effective way? Bueno, una es, eh, one of the ways is to support the construction of the whole integral political process behind our work as women's organizing um, against all of this, to fund integrally and not particularly in and some like like in silos exactly uh-huh. le, le estaba explicando porque en la traducción no sé si se entendió que la manera en que tú lo estás diciendo es eh, de apoyo integral a todo el proceso sí. político y no de manera como eh, limitativa uh-huh. y combinarla eso por ejemplo en casos extremos de uh-huh. so combined with support at times where the risk is very high, to, to um, support financially the strategies involving self-care and um, the, the security plans behind um, the, uh, risk protection. It is sometimes very hard for women defenders to um, balance our personal needs when they when we are at grave risk with the enormous responsibilities conducting organizations and it's very helpful when you know that there's funders supporting you to even the most little things like having enough money to make a long distance call as we sometimes don't even have that and so when these Um, immediate needs in times of great threats are covered, um, we feel a lot better because then the balance of the huge responsibility and the personal needs is um, more at ease. Miremos no 
la vida Salvemos nuestro amor Desastre on the Pilon album by Los Acheros. Welcome back to Hemispheres on KGNU, Boulder, Denver. Uh, the time is 6.34. Uh, we're hearing from indigenous women around the world who are working on issues of climate change in their communities, sometimes at great personal risk. Next, next we hear from Mar- Mardiana Deren in central Kalimantan, Indonesia. She's interviewed by Kathy Neustarter and speaks through a translator. As an indigenous person, she's working to protect her forests from palm oil and mining activities on whom her community is dependent. Mardiana. <laughs> Uh, my name is Mardiana. I'm from central Kalimantan, uh, tribe Dayak Maanyan. I'm involved in the struggle uh, <coughs> against mining and uh, oil palm. Because I saw, I feel, I saw and I feel the impact of the mining and plantation. What are some of the impacts what does it feel like to live in this in this place first land grabbing then after land grabbing there are conflict between families between communities between communities and village heads what what is the area like can you describe um what what it looks like what it feels like and how it's changing what you see is the change so in the past, the forest is uh, still dense. That uh, there are big trees, so um, we we live from the forest. It's easy for us to get the vegetables, the fruits, the rattan, traditional medicine, uh, the meat, the fish. Um, uh, we can find something from the pit. Um, we we can find the birds. We don't need to buy all of those things. We can uh, get honey from the forest. When we enter the forest, we can find and smell the aroma of the uh, orchids. There are orchids uh, forest. Yeah. There, uh, there are uh, forest cock. Maybe we can find a better translation. Translation and then monkeys those kind of uh, uh, animals. Mm. Now, there are no big trees, 
there are no bees, um, there are no birds, uh, there are no uh, fish and all of those uh, biodiversity <coughs> the, that was there in the mm. forest. Mm. How, does, how does that make you feel? I feel hurt. I feel very hurt. So that's why uh, I always, or we always uh, try to defend the remainings, what is still remaining, and regain our rights. Uh, it is dying because the companies just chop the trees, uh, any trees, even though even the trees that are maintained, that have been maintained by the community from Ancestor. So the, the old trees, the one that is like sacred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The living creatures at the river died because of the waste from the mining. Um, I have been the, a nurse since 79, <coughs> but the Communities are still live peacefully in the forest and the, in their plants, plantation. So I still feel happy because the community can still live from the forest. Because their live is de- uh, depends on forest, uh, lake, and the swamp, the pit. Now the communities are suffering because of the mining and the big plantations. Uh, they suffer from the disease because the the waste from the mining and plantations are thrown to the river while the river is uh, uh, the source of water for for them so they got the the disease from the polluted water so Whatever done by the doctor, by the nurse, to help them, but if they're under nutrition, there will be no use. So that um, motivate me, uh, trigger me to fight. Can can you tell me about some of the actions that you're taking? So, for the new ar- for the area that just being uh, given permit by the. Uh, local authority, uh, like those that are just being given concession to to the companies for mining, mining or plantations. Uh-huh. So new area, uh, she will come to that area, give motivations to the communities not to sell the land and uh, to avoid horizontal conflict. Uh, she will conduct it through meetings. She will do socializations. Um, uh, explain to them what's the impact if the forest is gone or destroyed, uh, if the forest is finished. Uh, if they sell the land, it will just make them rich only uh, a short time, but uh, they will then after that get um, poor. <coughs> I, I start the struggle from 2006. Uh, I started 2006, but because uh, the, the, the opponent is the companies that have a lot of money, then the region head, the village head, are on company's side. So uh, the local authorities give the permit to the companies because they have mm. money, a lot of money. So... Where do you where do you go from here? What's what's the next step in fighting back? Okay, so I will continue strengthening the community. I will see what uh, I can do um, to increase the income from uh, economic activity. How to make sure that they can eat uh, sufficiently. Uh, like three days, uh, three three times a day, I will see the local poten- potential, like what can grow there, um, according to the 
local circumstances after it is destroyed what is still remain uh, and can still grow there uh, for example um, um, make the fish pond uh, and uh, she already have uh, uh, put the small fish and it's now seems like ready to be harvested the new fish pond for the community mm. yeah. so the pond is uh, located uh, on the or at the spring so there are 15 spring so that's the source of the water for the pond so the pond is there the spring and uh, she puts uh, uh, fish there are uh, springs that are not polluted because the the main uh, source uh, or the main spring are quite far from the uh, mining sites uh, it is already uh, it is actually uh, in the mining area but it happened to be there are still some spring that are not polluted because the source are far from the mining mm -hmm. I plan to uh, try what is still remaining uh, for example uh, for I don't know how to, to say it uh, when we cook we, we need like spicy things to make it uh, nice for cooking things for cooking and for shampoo uh, because in the past we have special uh, leaf the, the daun yeah daun, uh, atau kalau, shampoo. daun juga akar juga uh, root root or leaf for shampoo it's very good uh, for our hair and uh, traditional medicine um, I will do some sort of inventory on what is still left and also for frying uh, oil for frying uh, uh, we can actually get it from the big tree so in the past uh, when uh, our ancestors want to fry something they used the uh, oil from that tengkawang tree so like uh, recalling or uh, try to get back the knowledge, traditional knowledge that, that's gone. Mm -hmm. yeah. I cannot explain specifically um, what kind of support, but I, I would accept whatever support uh, because the community is now depend on me and depend on local uh, tribe leaders to fight against uh, these companies. What is it like to be a woman leading and participating in opposing mines and palm oil companies. Bagaimana rasanya menjadi perempuan? Saya masih uh, terganjal karena belum ada yang she still feel that she's not yet succeeded in the fight. Uh, despite that there are several attempts uh, managed to be blocked or or secured. Uh, but there are many uh, areas that are destroyed and that becomes burden to me. If there are successes uh, site uh, happen, then it will reduce my burden. I don't have uh, many resources. Uh, sometimes uh, I need to be picked up by those who need my help because uh, all my struggle is self-funded by my own uh, funds. There are still other burden, uh, but it should become the things that strengthen me. That is, sometimes I got uh, harassment, uh, terror, uh, but it's okay. I will still keep going uh, to fight. I still keep fighting. And uh, uh, for the sake of sustainable living, uh, I'm ready for any consequences. I still, I still keep moving. Jadi, kalau dan Tuhan kita bisa minta ampun. God created Earth only once. Uh, we can still ask forgive. We can ask God for to forgive us. We can uh, ask uh, other people to, to to forgive each other. Uh, but then, ancestor. Uh, has been building the village villages with their blood, their fight to build the villages, and they uh, heritage this to the children. Um, 
despite that they don't have anything uh, but the dress from trunk uh, skin mm. like this mm-hmm. and traditional weapon but uh, and limited education but why those uh, but why our ancestors can give can inherited such a wealthy uh, resources why we educated people cannot do that cannot leave that to our children grandchildren Bumi. we were told that earth is like our mother forest is our breath water is our blood that keep flowing and should be in peace and should be cleaned stone is like the foundation for us so if they are vanished we are like the body without bones without hairs and without food if the forests are chopped and the earth are digged out or exploited uh, then the traditions or the customer the custom will finish adat lenyap adat lenyap masa depan gelap the future will be dark um, and apalagi adat lenyap masa, masa depan, depan gelap, gelap mm-hmm. uh, apa miskin uh, hutan dibabat bumi dikeruk rakyat melarat oh. uh, adat lenyap yeah. masa depan gelap yeah. the community we can write down this. the community suffered the adat custom vanished uh, and then the future is dark so they were they were actually educated to be cooperative to work together uh, for example they eat from the big plate together so they were actually and then sekarang mem- meminta masyarakat untuk tetap gotong royong ya yes. she also tried to uh, regain the habit of the other traditions of cooperation between people and do everything together like eating from the same plate plate uh, things things like that makanya saya i am coordinating the commemoration of uh, indigenous day collect all the tribes leaders uh, and community and to attract them to return to their old tradition and they are asked to share for this ceremony like giving uh, or bringing their own uh, share their rice for food during the ceremony things like that so uh, encourage them to start working together and to return to the or recall the old tradition of working together. Mariana, in 2008, joined the Indigenous Peoples Alliance of the Archipelago. It's a Jakarta-based secretariat representing more than 2,000 communities and began mobilizing them to fight for recognition of customary land rights. Uh, despite being terrorized and intimidated as a result of her work, uh, Mardiana continues to champion this struggle and has recently garnered the attention of the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. The time is 6.50. You're listening to Hemispheres. In our last segment, Patty Alonzo explains the influence of chemicals and foreign foods from the United States on her agricultural lands in Sonoma, Mexico. She lives amongst the Yaqui and Mayo tribes and is initiating projects that will return her community to sustainability. She starts by introducing herself and speaks through a translator. Mi nombre es Marta Patricia Alonso Ramírez, me gusta que me digan Patti, así, a secas, Patti. Y soy del sur del estado de Sonora, México. She's from the state of Sonora, from the southern part of the state, and she's coming from a very large family. Her roots are indigenous 
from indigenous groups, from uh, the Jaki tribe and Mayo tribe at the Sonora State. And uh, since she was 16 years old, she's been participating in social movements, mainly with women. I mean, first social movements protecting their lands and then uh, working with women and women movements uh, for their rights, claiming their rights. Can you explain maybe what the situation is in the areas where you're working, the environmental issues and the, the social justice issues? Bueno, es una región, el sur de Sonora es una región. She's coming from a place that it's, uh, there's a lot of intensive agriculture and intensive cattle, and it's been considered as uh, the grain producer of Mexico, that region, because of its richness. Pero es that... Uh, title of being the granero, the granero is the, who produces the grain of the country, destroying really the natural resources because it's on the two largest grain producers camps of the country because they've been using a lot of agrochemicals and destroying the surrounding areas. This region has been under threat all the time because of development. The Mayo people have lost their, their lands in the name of development because the government has always prioritized the economic part of this. And in the case of the Yaqui tribe, they've been fighting always defending their territories. They haven't, uh, they haven't taken away their territories. The Mayo, the Mayo tribe, they lost all the territories because of that, in the name of development. Es una, es una región de campesinos. It's a region where the... The farmers, the original farmers, have adopted the North American ways of doing it, and intensive agriculture, intensive cutting, destroying everything. Y en estos, bueno, ya tenemos algunos años, ha manifestado una serie de problemas de salud. We believe that uh, because of the excessive use of agrochemicals, there's been a, an, an impressive increase on cancer on uh, kids and other type of cancers. This is mostly affecting people who are working in the fields. That's right. That's right. This is affecting the people that is working on the fields because they're still being farmers, if, even though they they're not the owners of the land. In the case of the Mayos, they still work on the fields for the, for the owners who are the rich people who got the land. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're still affected by the agrochemicals, but they, because they still use that amount of agrochemicals, mm -hmm. it's amazing how it is. Sonora ahorita ocupa el primer lugar en cáncer. cáncer. Sonora has the first place in cancer rates in Mexico. Y le sumamos eh, toda la influencia que tenemos de Estados Unidos. Added to the uh, agrochemical problem and the agriculture and all these practices. They believe that uh, they've been adopting these new habits from the United States in terms of what to eat. This has caused a lot of additional problems, health problems. And uh, Sonora now has the first place in the whole country on uh, diabetes mellitus. Basically within the Seri, which is another tribe, uh, the Seri women in Sonora. It's a really, really serious health problem that they're facing over the the indigenous communities. Can you tell me about your work with these communities and, and what you're doing to, um, to improve their health? One of the ways that they have found is that uh, working with women from the very beginning, from the very basic things, uh, to protect the environment and their health. Cobanaras is the organization that she's leading now. The, the meaning is uh, gobernadoras, means the governors. That's the meaning of that word. It's in Mayo language. And that's what they try to do is to bring women information uh, regarding to how to take care of their resources and their health. And so what do you see women are able to accomplish with this support and, and this type of work? Bueno, en el caso de Cobanaras, hemos sido mujeres que... In the case of Cobanadas, the organization, they get very little support, external support. So they produce their own resources because they work on microfinances. They teach women saving and they loan them money. She says, we have very little money, but uh, this is the way we have found our way. Women are very stubborn. 
So we have been working always in what we have done always, taking care of our health, our families and ourselves. We don't expect resources from outside to do our work. We know they have proved that for many years that working on microfinances and these microloans that they give to indigenous women, basically, have given enough resources to implement their programs. That's how they work, basically. Okay. And it's not a, the, 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 the basic support that they have had. I mean, it's a small grant and that's it. The, the, the important part here is that uh, they have found a way to generate their own resources to keep working. They really see it difficult. They always see it difficult because there's no many options either to get more support from government pro, uh, project, uh, programs, etc. From the resources that they have uh, received externally, most of them are, have come from uh, international sources. And that has given them the opportunity to work more on their autonomy, that the way to say, mm -hmm. on empowering, mm -hmm, and to, do, to carry out and help to carry out their programs. De hecho, eh, en la parte de, de la, de, del tema ambiental, they have also worked uh, with Green Grants, gave them a grant about 10 years ago, and we have given them a... And as well, a Sierra Club Foundation. And this has given them the opportunity to, to go further with their environmental program. And they, have, they started also already a, a network of environmental promoters among the women. Los recursos de instituciones de gobierno es muy limitado porque... The government support, it's very, very limited because they have no political tendencies, they have no religion, nothing. So that doesn't really well seen by the politicians. The only times that they have had some support along these years from the government is when they have a friend within those groups. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What has surprised you in doing this work? Me han sorprendido todas las mujeres. Cobanaras puts all her bets on leadership and capacity building. And uh, they know because they've seen that there's a huge potential on women on being leaders and and build capacity. What inspires you every day to, to keep working towards this, these goals? She's always very surprised by women because they're always willing to learn more, uh, the capacity to work, to be better, and that gives her a lot of wisdom. Is there anything that you would like for um, people in the United States to understand. Que si te gustaría decirle algo a la gente de Estados Unidos para que comprenda. Ah, bueno, yo quisiera decirles que sean sensibles a este esfuerzo que hacemos las mujeres en el sur de Sonora. She would like to tell them that they, they must be sensitive to the work that women in the southern part of Sonora do, to all these effort that they put. They want really to restore their lives, their environment, their resources and they, that they should be sensitive about it because they all, they all get benefits from that. Las cobanaras estamos haciendo nuestra parte por salvar la vida campesina, la vida rural. Y creo que ellos tienen que comprenderlo, tienen que eh, colaborar. Since, since uh, especially Arizona, it's uh, inevitably, inevitably mm -hmm. linked to Sonora, to the state of Sonora. It's a region without uh, political boundaries. They should be sensitive to do that. They are trying to recover their rural lives and their resources, and they have to understand that. And they have to do something to contribute to all the effort that women do in order to do it. No, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> the time is 7.01. Thank you to Kay Neustetter, who we recorded these interviews for KGNU. She's Communications Director at Global Green Grants. You can hear the complete interviews on their website. 
on our this whole show is archived on our news blog news.kgnu.org you can see the photographs of these women there if you have comments about this or any other show on KGNU please leave a comment uh, to air Tuesday mornings on our comment line 303-447-9911 I'm your host Nikki Kaiser and uh, you're listening to KGNU tune in to an, uh, next week for another edition of Hemispheres Take it away, cabaret.